Welcome to Childhood Conversations with Kate and Carrie. Welcome back. Carrie and I are so glad to see you and hear you and talk to you today. <laughs> so we are having some conversations on the road. So today is Conversations with Kate and Carrie on the road, um, number two. Uh, but we thought we would come back and do the follow-up to a, a podcast we did a few weeks ago about observations. And so this one is going to be specifically related to observations and accreditation. Accreditation and CDA. So those go together. Because um, we had planned to, and then we went down a couple of rabbit holes. So... Oops. <laughs> Not that that ever happens to us. We never go down rabbit holes. Uh, but we wanted to fulfill on that promise. So observation, we had talked a lot about how bringing in outside um, observers for classroom observation, um, for you as the director observing your classrooms, your staff. Um, if you're a teacher, inviting somebody else to come into your classroom helping people become comfortable with observation so that when licensing or an accreditor or a CDA validator shows up, they're ready. And then we didn't talk about when those three things happen. Uh, so that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, so which one do you want to hit first? Well, why don't we start with the individual? So let's start with the CDA. Okay. Um, and when we talk about the CDA and having that evaluator come in, uh, we know that the teacher has spent a lot of time in, in learning and in pulling together all their materials for their CDA. So we want to make sure that this ends up as a successful project, yeah. right? So the, the last T to, the T to cross, the last, dot i to dot something like that is this um the validation visit yes that um so i've i've been a validator for a couple for a few years i can't say a couple because i started before covid and i didn't watch anybody during covid um because i was one of those people who needed to stay home uh and not get breathed on before we had vaccines um so the accreditation visit should be the least stressful of these three different things, in my opinion. And again, I am a person who has done that and I haven't done the other two. So maybe maybe that's a, a little bit of, you shouldn't be afraid of me, I'm sweet. <laughs> but the validator is gonna be there for generally three hours or less. They spend the first hour looking at your paperwork not stressful. You already created the paperwork. You know that you have your certificates. You know you've got your examples of a menu. You know you've got, you know, your activity plans. You've got all the paperwork. They can look around your classroom during that time and make sure that the appropriate paperwork is on the wall. Um, it's supposed to take more like 30 minutes, but there are some programs where it does take me an hour. Uh, then they've got an hour of watching, observing in your group in the classroom, on the playground, wherever you guys are. They just sit and watch and they ask very few questions, if any questions at all. It's not their job to ask you why you're doing what you do at that point. It's their job to sit and take notes 
because they're not supposed to interrupt the flow of what's happening in the classroom. Okay, so what would be some tips to make sure that that hour is successful? Because a lot of times when they're going through a course or working with somebody to pull together their paperwork for the CDA, they've gotten support. They know how to make sure all their paperwork is in line. How can they make the most out of that hour of observation so that maybe there doesn't have to be a lot of questions. Maybe it's very clear what they're doing. How can they practice? What are some things that you've recognized that you wish people knew that they needed to do? Um, don't introduce anything new into your routine. <laughs> don't decide that you're gonna do a science project with the kids on validation day that the kids have never had experience with. If you're gonna do a science experiment with the kids that day, um, for instance, maybe you're gonna chart their favorite of a specific kind of food. It's autumn, apple tasting is a frequent thing uh, in the autumn, and so you may have five different kinds of fruit, you cut it up and everybody gets to taste which ones they like, and then you chart which ones are the favorites. Okay, if you're going to do that on validation day, have done a similar tasting activity with the kids another time so that this is not brand new information to them that we're going to taste something, we're going to pick a post-it note that matches the thing we tasted, and we're going to put it on a board. If they've never done this, then you're more likely to have meltdowns in the classroom, which are going to make you self-conscious Again, the validator has worked in the field. They are aware that children explode for unknown reasons sometimes. But you can make yourself more comfortable by having the kids do things that might have a little bit of newness, but they've done the general process before. So they're used to voting on what is the best of something if you're gonna do the tasting. And maybe they've done tasting exercises before. Um, so that, you know, they have done those types of things. Do not pick a book you've never read for your class meeting, circle time, whatever you want to call it. Do not do that. <laughs> you need to be comfortable. Wear comfortable clothing. Um, I have gone into observations where I'm like, that woman is wearing pantyhose. Who wears pantyhose while working in early childhood education? This person is obviously trying to present their their best self, but they're not going to be as comfortable because they don't wear pantyhose every day when they're watching the children. So <laughs> those kinds of things I think are, are very helpful when you know that you're going to have the observation. Okay. So what about volume when talking to the kids? Ah, uh, she's trying to circle <laughs> back to the story we talked about in the last observation podcast where we talked about my teacher who whispered to the children all day while the CDA validator was there. Don't over enunciate, don't whisper, um, don't make yourself very, very loud. You know, that's not <laughs> going to help. So again, having other people observe you ahead of time to help you get used to it, feel comfortable with it, and to make sure that your volume level is a reasonable level 
because one of the things that some validators pick up on is what is the out overall tim timber is that how that word is said i only read it the overall sound quality in the classroom is it happy is it stressed is it frustrated what is the overall sound range in the classroom for some validators that's a huge deal because it helps them to tell whether you have control over the classroom or not and so if your normal volume is you know sort of where Kate and I are today but when the validator comes in you're now in your head because I told the story about the person who didn't speak up and so now you're trying to be nice and loud you're also gonna that's gonna startle the children and they're going to act out because you're not doing what you normally do ah so that's the that's the takeaway here so do what you normally do and if you're not sure that what you normally do is worthy of getting your CDA, then that is something that you need to really kind of hone in on in advance prior to the validation visit and make sure that you really are 100% comfortable with who you are as a teacher. And that is the whole purpose of the CDA is to prove that you are a professional. We wouldn't suggest that you get a CDA if we didn't think that you were a professional. You wouldn't be going after it if you didn't want to prove that you are a childcare professional. So remember that, okay? You can still dress professionally without having to have pantyhose on. And if you're not really sure about that, let us know and we'll see if we can incorporate. We do have a video that somehow we have to figure out how to get that up for y'all to watch. Um, but we do have a video where we talk about professional dress in the classroom as a director or as a teacher. So we can definitely talk to you about that and help you if that's an area for you. But in the meantime, be your best self as a teacher that the kids love, that the parents love. And remember, your first impression is so important and you only get to make that once. And so you're going to make it on paper and then you're going to make it in person. So I think we've talked about hour two. What are some things they should be prepared for for hour three, Carrie? So hour three is the reflect hour. Um, and so it is when the validator asks you questions um, and some of the questions are, what are your goals? They have to ask you that question. Don't feel like they're picking on you because they think you look aimless. No, they're required to ask you, what are your goals in this career? Um, they're going to ask you about what you found out in your parents' surveys. They'll ask you about anything they had questions about that happened in the classroom. Like, for instance, they might ask, okay, there's this one child who seemed to constantly need to be in, you know, within one foot of you all day. What was going on with that child? Um, those kinds of things. And, you know, what do you see as your weaknesses as an early childhood professional? What are you doing to address those weaknesses? They're trying to get you to be as introspective as possible. Okay, so, but I don't have any weaknesses. How do I answer if I don't have any weaknesses? We all have weaknesses. Go ask your director. Um, if you are the director, go ask the bossiest member of your staff. Um, we all have weaknesses as early childhood professionals. I'm not 
very tolerant of tattletelling. I know this. I've worked in the field for decades and I've come up with strategies for when I'm working in a four-year-old classroom, but tattletelling drives me bananas and I know that, right? We all have weaknesses. Um, and so we all have to continually work to improve those. So they're not telling you you're a bad person in the reflect hour. What they're trying to do is get you to evaluate yourself objectively and to be introspective. Okay. All right. So we've talked about the CDA. Now we're going to talk about one, um, like the NAEYC accreditation, and then we'll talk about other types of quality um, accreditation or, or licensing quality, visits. Or licensing visits. Because we want to make sure that you understand that a lot of quality designation. So NAEYC accreditation is one example. Texas Rising Star, every state has some sort of star ranking. Um, or or QR, QRIS mm -hmm. system. Um, every state calls them something different. So you're going to have the state version of quality, which is usually tied into some sort of TANF money um, or CCDF money. Like there's federal money that usually is associated with those quality programs. And we want you to be able to get the most money that you can. Why would you not? Why would you leave $8,000 a year on the table because you didn't want to prove that your program was a quality program? Yeah. <laughs> so with every accreditation system I'm aware of, and again, there could be ones that don't, that I haven't seen, have three elements. So there's the self-study, um, there's collecting data from the stakeholders, usually staff and parents, and then um, there is the evaluation visit, the validation visit. Um, accreditation visit, they call it different things, different organizations. Okay. Um, so you have, you know, maybe as long as a year, year and a half to collect all the data and to make sure all your classrooms and all your staff are up to snuff with those standards of the type of accreditation that you've selected. Right. So Carrie. Um, has done accreditation visits. I did accreditation visits for the National After School Association. And so we come at this with a different set of perspective than just being somebody who was in a program who had gotten the um, the visits. So and I've done both. I've been on both sides. Right. So we want to make sure that you know um, that we are coming to you with experience and that we're not trying to just give you theory. Uh, we are actually telling you examples of what we dinged people on or what people did not get their highest rating on. So uh, I think when we've talked about having people come and practice watching your classrooms and your school is by far the best practice or best prep you can do. I mean, if you've ever heard of anybody who's ever taken some sort of test prep program, whether it's for something as simple, maybe not as simple, but something like a college admissions exam, like ACT or SAT, or even subject or your matters. Driver's test. Your driver's test, right? The best thing you can do is practice, right? It's not just reading the book. You've got to read the book and practice ask, you know, asking and answering questions. 
uh, with subject matter tests, the same kind of thing. So that's what we're doing here is encouraging you to practice. Most of these situations, most of these accreditations do have sample um, observation forms. So you could actually ask people to take the sample observation form and come into your program. Yep, and it's a great way to get parents involved um, because especially if you've got one or two of those nitpicky parents, um, this is a great way to get them involved because one, it gives them a place to put their energy and two, they will see what a great job you are doing on a statewide or national basis. Um, so maybe not your first person you ask to come in. Maybe you've had somebody else do it the first time and you're now, people are more comfortable being observed and you have that person come in and it will help to calm them down and help them to see what a great program you have. And they will be nitpicky and tell your staff, uh, I didn't see you wash the fourth child's hands after diaper change. You did it with all of the other 12 children, but this one child you didn't have washed their hands after a diaper change. Um, and that is the kind of thing that if I'm there as an observer for accreditation, I have to mark down most instead of all because one of the 12 children did not wash their hands after a diaper change. So you're gonna get two points instead of three points on that individual item because most children did it, not all children. What are some other things that you think when accreditors come through, what are some other things that you would you would ding people for that people need to be aware of? Playground interaction. <laughs> if you haven't heard, that, heard me talk about this before, um, or you haven't figured it out before, I have a real thing about playgrounds. So I have a huge thing about playground safety. Um, I absolutely feel that everybody needs to make sure that they are um, truly inspecting their playground equipment regularly, uh, not just every once in a while or when they think about it. I think there should be a real schedule. Um, the director course that we teach, we have always been above and beyond what certain states require related to playground safety suggestions. But even taking that a step further is the staff interaction on playgrounds. Having been a lifeguard all through high school and into college at all different types of everything from water parks to flat water to open water, I know what a good lifeguard looks like. And we've got some teachers that would be awesome lifeguards. However, the playground is not the time nor the place for them to play lifeguard. And so one of the things I have a really, really hard time with on all age groups, so not just school age, but school age, it's really hard and I get it. I've been a school age provider. I understand why it's hard to interact with kids on a playground. You know, those third graders, those fourth graders, they've got their own little clubs and you are not a member. You do not have a card. You do not get to come join. <laughs> However, you do need to see if the club needs anything, right? So do they need another soccer ball? Do they need another, you know, something, you know, be there and communicate. I don't care if you're on the playground for two hours or if you're on the playground for 20 minutes, every kid should have some interaction with you, even if it's to see if they need anything. If you've got that one kid who's digging up roly polies by himself in a corner and he is perfectly content, I don't care. 
but you need to go see if he needs something to put his roly-polies in. Yep. So these are the kinds of things that the accreditor is looking for that you might have become blind to because this is just the way the playground works or this is just how um, getting ready for lunch works, right? And oh, so, kitchens. Oh, kitchens. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so it never occurs to you that your entire menu is full of food that is southern comfort food, right? So all of your food is for one, from one culture. Um, and so you don't have anything that's even a Yankee pot roast. You don't have enchiladas. No pot roast. What do you mean no pot roast? <laughs> um, you don't have enchiladas. You don't have lo mein. You don't have... No ramen? No ramen. <laughs> you know, you're not having food that represents a variety of cultures. There should be some spaghetti. There should be, you know, a variety of foods for the kids to eat. Taco Tuesday. Taco Tuesday. Uh, we're from Texas. It's really easy for us to come up with the various um, Tex-Mex and Mexican foods. But I always made a point of also making sure I had food from other, you know, hummus. Hello. The entire Mediterranean eats that. I can count it for like four different countries without even blinking, right? Um, gyros, you know, uh, what it, pita pockets. Kids love a pita pocket. Um, so all of those kinds of things so that we can help. That is a thing that I'm going to mark down when I'm a credit, doing an accreditation visit if all the food is from the same culture. All right. So on that note, I'm going to flip us to licensing because okay. we could make this a really long episode and we know that you guys like our 20 minute episodes better than our 40 minute episodes. So we're going to try to wrap this one up and we're going to go with state licensing visits. So again, state licensing visits, their whole purpose really is to find out that you're doing something wrong. So never, ever, 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 ever be insulted because you got a ding. I know a lot of licensing reps that are going to find a ding. It doesn't matter how long they have to stay to find a ding <laughs> because they know that not all programs are perfect. And I mean, there are some reps and I have had these phone calls from directors where they're like, the licensing rep was here for seven and a half hours. I have three citations. What should I take from this? That you have an awesome program. That is a licensing rep who feels like it is their job to find multiple deficiencies every visit, and it took them seven and a half hours to find multiple deficiencies. There are other licensing reps that they'll be there for an hour and a half. If they don't see anything wrong, they won't write you up for anything and they will leave. That's fine. Those are two different ways of being a licensing rep. I'm not in charge of which one's right. I'm sure somebody at licensing state headquarters is. But that's not my job and that's not your job. Um, if you get to know your rep, you will know which one of those they are or are they somewhere in between. If you have a licensing rep who you know is not going to leave until they find something wrong, ask, you know, step away from them for a minute, go into a classroom that doesn't have any children in it, move a bleach bottle down or the soapy water bottle down so that it's in 
an area that kids could have access to it if there were children in the classroom and then go back to them and say, hey, this classroom is empty. Why don't you come in and sit here and go over your paperwork? They will see something they can write up and they will relax. <laughs> okay. I don't know if I agree with trying to make something happen. I feel like most programs are going to have at least that one kid whose hand they forgot to watch. If it's been six hours, give okay. them something. If there's been six hours. Okay. I'll, I'll, maybe I'll go with that round. So anyway, just remember again, if you've done the other two types of observations, you've had people come in and practice observing once a quarter in your classrooms, a licensing visit is a no-brainer. However, the one thing I do wanna make sure that we cover with the licensing component is if a licensing rep cites you on something that you are absolutely sure did not happen, <clears throat> while they're there, especially if it was a health and safety one, um, or like a significant health and safety issue, please, please, please ask them to show you where it was that they saw whatever it was that they saw. Also, if they, in your mind, perhaps made up a regulation. Yep, happens. <laughs> um, and again, it could be something that was, maybe it had been and it's been changed, or maybe you've never interpreted it that way. Ask them to show you in licensing documentation where that is so that you can be proactive in the future to prevent this. You are not trying to be sarcastic with them. You're not trying to be confrontational with them. You just want to know where they found that because it's not something you had seen before. For instance, a center that um, we've been working with, um, they, got, they have a new director and then they had a new licensor. And so this program had been operating for decades and there was at least one staff member who had been there for decades <laughs> and licensing came in and said, there's no proof of high school graduation for any of your employees. I don't have a high school diploma for a single one of your employees. So you, we're going to cite you because all 26 employees are in violation because none of them have a high school diploma in here. In 28 years, it had never been required by any other licensing rep for them to have the high school diploma. This rep said we need the high school diploma. So it changed, you know, and, and the director was like, was flummoxed and called me and was very like, ah, I'm gonna get in trouble. I was like, how long did your rep give you to fix it? And she was like, two weeks. I was like, you can fix this in two weeks. I'm not, I'm not concerned about it. You can ask your staff for the name of the high school. You can write the letter, they sign it. You put the stamp on it, you mail it. <laughs> they can fax it into you, you're gonna be fine. Um, or you can fax it to the school. A lot of the, most schools will allow you to fax in that request and it can be faxed back and it's handled in two days. So, but she was so mad because she had just done a file review looking at all of the files and it fixed a lot of problems <laughs> in the files but hadn't done this because quite frankly they asked me for a checklist and my checklist said you know 
high school diploma or GED, um, and you know, they asked what what do they need to prove that, and I said, well, usually, um, it's in their personal history statement, the licensing personal history statement, and that I've never seen that not work. So of course, they got the one licensing rep who was like, that does not work. You need to send it. You, we need the actual thing. So. Okay, so real quick on that before we run away and say goodbye to everybody. So how does it work in that situation if, for example, all of your staff, you work with a partner agency that actually handles all of the hiring details? So in other words, perhaps that document actually lives in the HR department's office. It's not actually in your office. Would you get a copy of that? How would that work? I mean, that's gonna, that's between you licensing and your, you know, the the YMCA, you know, regional HR department. So there's not gonna be one answer that fits, that answers that for everyone. My general rule is when I get a new licensor, I send them an email and I ask, how do they like the personnel records organized <laughs> um, if, if they have a checklist and they want it in this order I put it in that order whether it's virtual or whether it's physical so that it's in the order they want and usually when you do that they will say high school diploma or GED as one of the items again this director had no idea that they had a new licensor because they had been emailing with a licensing rep since they got their job um, and that was not who came to do the visit. Um, so they weren't able to do that proactive step of asking how do you like the files organized. Um, so be aware that sometimes, a lot of times things are open for interpretation. Yes, they have to have a high school diploma or a GED. Does that mean I need a copy of that diploma for most reps? No. <laughs> For some reps, yes. And some are like, hey, if I've got any college transcript, that works because you can't go to college without a high school diploma or GED, which is not true, but people think it is. <laughs> so for most licensing reps, they would have just taken any college transcripts. This one was um, very concerned about this issue. Okay. So bring in their supervisor bring in your hr department if you need to on these kinds of issues but that also means we've given you a heads up none of you who are listening today should have any excuse because we're giving you a heads up that there are people like this so go ahead and go do it now if you don't have that for every staff person and you can say i need high school diploma ged college transcript i need one of the three and make sure that you have that for everybody on staff and go ahead and do it now. All right, you guys, it's been great talking to you. Thanks for joining our conversation and we look forward to talking to you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Child Care Conversations with Kate and Carrie. Want to learn more? Check out our website at texasdirector.org. And if you've learned anything today, leave us a comment below and share the show.